All right, let's get into Chronicles here. Chapter 23, maybe 24, I don't know. We'll see how far we get this morning. And let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for the opportunity to come and read your word freely, to receive it. Uh, We don't want to ever take that for granted. We know much of the world is not able to do this like we are able to do this. Um, They have to hide and do it in secret and keep it to themselves and um, just to save their own lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for the freedom we have and the liberty we have to to have this time of worship together, um, and then also to read your word freely without any fear. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that your word would speak to our hearts, that we'd receive it with gladness, that your Holy Spirit would do whatever he wants to do uh, this morning in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Division of the Levites is the title of this chapter, according to my Bible anyway, and that is true. David is going to divide up the Levitical tribe, the whole tribe. Um, and it's important to know that Aaron is the, the priesthood. So all of Aaron's family in the Levite tribe, they're the priest. But now David, knowing that this temple is going to be built, um, is going to expand the duties of the whole Levitical tribe. Uh, we're going to need a lot more help. This is bigger than the, than the tent, basically. And so um, Aaron's going to need help, so I want to divide up the Levitical tribe just to do what they do. That's one-twelfth of the people of Israel to take care of just the things of God and the people of God, ministering on behalf of God to the people and on behalf of the people to God. That's what they do. Now, Aaron is the priesthood, and we'll get into a little bit of that later on, but first we want to divide up the rest of the Levites, okay? So when David was old and full of days, He made his son Solomon king over Israel, and he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now the Levites were numbered from the age of 30 years and above, and the number of individual males was 38,000. Of these, 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord. 6,000 were officers and judges, 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments in uh, print or in the quotation marks, which I made, said David, for giving praise. Now, I think that's interesting that God magnifies that right there. I want you guys to make a bunch of instruments, but it's for giving God praise. And so um, the writer here putting that in there to make sure we knew that this was David's special area. And we know that as he wrote most of, the, you know, a lot of the Psalms anyway. Um, he, he was a songwriter at heart. He was a worshiper of God at heart. And uh, it brought a lot to him. It brought him comfort. As you read the Psalms, and he starts off, Oh, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? And then the soul answers. And by the time he's done with the song, he's like, I'm okay. I'm better now. You know, just worshiping Lord brings peace. I saw that in some of the comments this morning. Um, as we were singing songs and people are watching online, they're like, This is just bringing me a lot of comfort. And it does. When you begin to sing out, the glories of God and what he's done and how big he is and what he's going to do, it tends to calm you down a little bit. You know, we can get so horizontal in our vision sometimes that we get so caught up in the things and maybe really emotional about some things coming up November 3rd and, and we're excited, you know, um, and, and, and we know that Jesus is on the throne while we're getting excited about November 3rd. We know all that. Um, But then when you come here and sing, knowing that we're practicing for eternity here, knowing that November 3rd is, it is 
four years. It's just temporary, uh, good, bad, or ugly. And then after that, we got another good, bad, or ugly four years. And it, we don't know. But we do know for sure, as we're singing out praises to God, that we have an eternity of an absolutely perfect administration, a perfect king, a perfect monarch, a perfect ruler. And so we'll fight and struggle and do everything we can because that's our prayer. Uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to do our best to stand up for righteousness. But in the end, when we're singing together, we can all kind of relax as ambassadors saying, yeah, someday I'm getting called home. Some days I don't, someday I won't have to fight anymore like this or, 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 or whatever it is that we do. And, and there's a peace, there's a calming. David knew that. Took that praising to another level. That, that wasn't even really in the original plan with the tabernacle. God didn't say, now make several instruments and, 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 you know, and, and we need the baritones over here and the, nothing like that. That's something David brought in and it was accepted. Just like, and I don't want to skip over this, the fact that he counted these people. I mean, didn't we just get done counting people and God got pretty upset? And we're like, wait a minute, he's counting again. I mean, come on, David. It's different. He's counting the things of God. He's counting the people to serve him. He's putting things in order, I think is important. That's what that title says. The division of the Levites, he's putting things in order for them to worship God in the right way, you know? Um, and so it's it's... It's acceptable to God to do that. That's okay. He's not counting for pride. He's not counting for military strength. He's not counting for, I don't know, whatever else he was counting for. He's simply counting to make sure that everybody's divided up and doing what they're supposed to be doing as far as service to the Lord. And that's a beautiful thing. God is all about that. Some of the things they were counted for, um, I mean, look at these numbers, 24,000 or to look after the work of the house. Now, you divide that into 12 months. They would do a rotation like that, okay? So um, some are, most are off work, you know? And then they'd have a month of some intense service, and then they were off, you know? And so God, God saw fit to sh show David these things, to set these things in order that they might be able to rotate in and out to serve the Lord. So 24,000, just to look after the work of the house of the Lord. We already have the... Arianic priesthood, all of those guys, which we read about in 20, chapter 24, they're doing the service like we think, the sacrifices and the, and the smoke and the prayers and all that stuff. We've got all those guys doing it. These 24,000 are just to help those guys do what they need to do. So they're not worrying about that. Okay? 24,000, David adds to that. It's a big deal. And I note that because it needs to be a big deal in our lives. Our walk with Jesus needs to be a really, really big deal. It needs to be the most important thing that we do with our lives. Raising kids is important. Having a good marriage and taking care of your wife or your husband is important. Uh, doing your job well is important. But the most and biggest thing in your life, in our lives, needs to be worshiping Jesus. Just worshiping Jesus. How important is that? Jenny shared, a, she goes down and gets a, uh, takes a trip every Saturday or every third Saturday, I think it is, to go get milk and stuff down from KC. And, and uh, she sent a little, uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, the title of it was from Ravi Zacharias, was uh, meant to glorify God, I think. It's just, we're meant to glorify God. And knowing that that's my primary purpose for existing, which is very important for this world to know and for us to know, the meaning of life, you know, the big question is to glorify God. 
That is the meaning of life. And if I'm not glorifying God, which is the meaning of life, I am not doing what I was made to do. Everything else is, is, is temporary. It's all basics. It's all, I mean, in the sense that um, it's extra, you know, uh, got to get money, got to eat, got to maintain this flesh, you know, got to buy clothes, got to do all that. But those, all those things I just mentioned can't be the thing that I focus on the most. Glorifying God is the most important thing. And David knew that. I want to take all these Levites just to, to, all the rest of the Levites, I should say, to support Aaron, who is a Levite, and his family in the service of the Lord. Just look after the work of the house of the Lord. All of it. 6,000 were officers and judges. They were um, overseeing those 24,000 and the things, and probably some of the guys that would do the procurement um, judgments uh, of the people. This is the, this is the court. Um, this is actually where people would come like Moses did at the beginning, and then his father-in-law said, why don't you get some more guys to help you? Well, now we've got it down to where David says, we need a lot of judges. There's a lot of people in the nation of Israel at this time. And so they would hear cases, and they would, they would do their best. And that's why you see so much emphasis placed on being a good judge, even balanced scales and all that throughout Scripture, is because this is a true theocracy. A theocracy meaning God is truly in charge and the ruler. Yeah, there is a king and a monarchy. Yeah, it's not exactly the best. We'd, we'd rather it uh, have been more like Moses, but they wanted a king. David is, is acting as king, but treating it like a theocracy. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, he sees that it's, if, if we don't have God on our side, what is, what's the point? We don't want to be like all the other nations. Uh, we may have a monarch or a king that can talk to these other nations, but we need to have the Lord. And so um, that, that's what these judges would do. They judge according to God's word, according to the law of Moses, according to the law of Judaism, basically. Now, 4,000 were gatekeepers. And I don't know exactly what that means. I'm sure it's more than just opening and closing doors for people because that's a lot of people. Probably some security involved is my guess. Like when they said we need to call for the temple guard, I imagine that's some of these guys here. Um, but there's more duties than that. Gatekeepers are to keep people in and to let or let people in, let people out. Um, just overseers, kind of watchers, and 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 all. And so, uh, four thousand of the guys are for for gatekeeping, and then four thousand for praising the Lord with musical instruments that David made had made. Um, just praising the Lord. That was their job. We want you to sing to the Lord for your life. I mean, hello, that's a great job, you know. Um, just sing, the, sing to the Lord. And so you would see all this action, this, in, this entire group, one, one twelfth of the 24,000 doing their job, making sure that the Arianic priesthood and, and, and they were divided up also into, in, into they could come in, in one month spurts. Um, Zacharias uh, was a great, John the Baptist's dad. He was in a rotation, and he was in doing his rotation. Okay, so that's the idea behind this. And then there were people supporting Zacharias while he was doing that job. Okay, you get it. I don't need to keep going. And so we've got these guys. So constantly in the house of God, you got these guys in white robes doing all their thing, moving and busy, and, and smoke's constantly going up from the morning and the evening sacrifice, and the animals and the blood and the, and the prayers and the incense, and then you've got this singing going on the whole time. So always in the presence of the nation of Israel, well, in Jerusalem anyway, they would be, you'd be walking by and you'd hear that and you'd see that and you'd smell that. And it would just, what a, what a wonderful time for the nation of Israel where the worship of God 
was in the center of the city. It was going up constantly as a constant reminder for everybody else, because there's a whole bunch of people going about their business, doing their thing every day that don't have these jobs necessarily, to see that happening. And, and we need to remember that for ourselves. As, as the body of Christ, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? The world desperately needs to see this in action. They need to see us in prayer and know that we're praying. They need to hear the songs of the Lord coming off of our lips together as a body, as a, as a chorus, you know? They need, to, they need to smell that, the fragrance of Christ as they walk by us. They, they need all of that. It draws them in, first of all, to worship, and it causes them, although they have a task, like the, the guy carrying the cart, and he's walking by the temple, and he smells that smell, but while he's carrying the cart, may pray a little prayer. You know, oh, Lord, thank you for this beautiful city you've given me. I was complaining about my bad wheel over here, but what am I complaining about? I got a good wheel over here, you know. Um, it spurs other people to begin to worship also. If we don't worship as Christians, then God doesn't get worshipped. And others don't get led into worship. This, this group, this team we have, this wonderful worship team we have that works so hard, so dedicated, so faithful to do and, and bring the absolute best that they have to us, for us. They lead us. They, they, don't, they don't want the attention. They lead us into the throne room of the Lord to sing to God. And, and we're called to do that in our lives as well, to lead people there. That is, our, that is the meaning of life, is to bring God glory. Now, he's dividing things in order, and I like this. I've got some cross-references. I'll go through them quickly. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. God likes order. He loves us being uh, charismatic. He loves us being excited for him and all that. But not, not at the expense of order. Um, and that's what most of that chapter is about in 1 Corinthians 14. Is Yeah, I love all the stuff you do. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I love all that taking place. But I want it done decently and in order. God loves order, even in his worship. I want it to be orderly, not confusing or hectic or, or even distracting, because both confusing and being hectic can bring distraction. We want it decently in order. And so we do some songs, and then we take a break, and then we have the word of God. And we kind of like, well, we're going to do this every week. Well, yeah, but that's okay. We may mix it up once in a while, but for the most part, knowing what's ahead prepares us so we can relax. We don't have to be surprised at, well, what's next? I don't know what's next. I'm not ready for what's next. Well, you guys all know what's happening. You go get your coffee. You talk for a little bit. We come sit down. We open our Bibles. We read the Word of God. And it's not boring. It's orderly. You know, it's the way it's supposed to be. First Chronicles, and this is throughout the Bible, First Chronicles 15, 12 through 14, he said to them, um, you are the heads of your father's houses, of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. There's a proper order. There's an acceptable way to do things according to God, and there's an unacceptable way to do things according to God. And they learned that the hard way, didn't they? when they tried to bring the ark back on the, on the new cart. 
And David's checking himself here and saying, we need to do this the right way. We need to do it the way God ordered it. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. So they did it. So this morning we hear about order in our lives. We're going to hear a lot about maintenance in our walk with Jesus and that it does take maintenance. And now we're going to hear that. Just like David said it to them, it's up to us to do that last verse, verse 14. So the priests and Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of God. Then I'm going to do that maintenance that God said. I'm not above God's word. I'm not above what his word tells me to do. If he says I'm going to need maintenance, if I got there's a specific order and a way to do things, then that's I'm going to be obedient to that. 2 Chronicles 8.16, a little further on. Now, all the work of Solomon was well-ordered from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord until it was finished, so the house of the Lord was completed. There was a, a process to construction uh, that we're going to see in 2 Chronicles that Solomon laid out for the guys. He didn't say, first, let's start with the roof. You know, obviously, we start with the foundation, we, we start off with the materials even, sourcing the materials. And then we, which David had in the warehouse, you know, all ready for him. And then we do the foundation. Then upon the foundation, you build the next thing. There's an order to a construction process. The electrician shows up the day you're pouring concrete. Well, that's a waste of time, isn't it? He can lay the wire out. I mean, obviously, I don't need to beat this down. But in our walk with Jesus, there's an order. There's an order to do things. There's a way that God builds upon the foundation of Jesus Christ in my life. And, and it's not up to me. Now, we love, oh, every homeowner who's ever built a house loves to see the progress, don't they? Oh, just, we drove by this site today. It looks like they poured the concrete. And oh, we drove by the site today, the framing. I think that's the greatest part because they get that thing framed so fast. Like in two or three days, the walls are up. You're like, hey, nice. Starting to see it. Oh, but then, then they put the siding on and the windows in. Hmm, now you're getting excited. And the roof, the roof's on. And you, and you go by and you see that and you're, you're excited for the progress and you, and, and you look for that. But we can rush things too. Oh, hurry up. Just get it done. Put the flooring in. Well, no, not until the roof's on. Because then it's going to rain and, and then it's going to pucker your flooring. And you know, God has an order for your life. You've laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. Hopefully you've received him as your Lord and Savior this morning. If you haven't, that's the first thing that has to happen. You can't add anything to your life until that's done. First thing is, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And then we're going to start framing it out. And then he's, he's going to start doing things for it. And as you go through God's word, he builds upon that. And he makes it a strong house. Okay? And he does it in the right way. Now, um, I'm going to kind of go through the few verses here, verses, let's see, 6 through um, probably 20 pretty quickly. Um, in fact, really quickly, because he's going to name the, let me start off here. Uh, also, David separated them into divisions, the, these, uh, the Levites, uh, into the three heads of household, the, the, the three uh, main uh, leaders of the Levitical tribe, their families, Gershon, Kohath, and Mirari, okay, those are the three guys. Those are the three main homes. Or, you know, you've, you've got Aaron, but then you've got these other three guys. So there's four total. So here's these other three. And so then he names off, who are the Gershonites? Um, they're these folks here. And then later on in verse 12, he says, who are the uh, Kohath, Kohath 
Um, the, those are those guys there, verses 12 through uh, 20. 21, the sons of Mirari, that's who they are. And so he divided them up not only for their task and their job, but according to their families as well. Um, and they would be responsible for those families, these men. These are all your folks. So th- it wasn't impersonal. It wasn't um, like a corporation. Um, uh, you had your jobs, your responsibilities. Don't, don't, don't come into my workspace. This is my job. That's your job. But they also had families. You know, um, They had a good environment for that. And so he's setting that up also, dividing them up that way. Now, verse 24, these were the sons of Levi by their father's house, the heads of the father's houses, as they were counted individually by the number of their names, who did the work for the service of the house of the Lord from uh, the age of 20 years and above. Okay, so that's just 20 years and above. That's where you can start worshiping and serving the Lord um, as a profession, basically, as part of the Levitical tribe. For David said, the Lord God of Israel has given rest to his people that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. And also to the Levites, they shall no longer carry the tabernacle or any of the articles of its service. So there's no more moving the tent around from place to place. It's going to be a permanent structure. Um, It's going to be the temple, not the tabernacle. For by the last words of David, the Levites were numbered from 20 years old and above. And here's why. Because their duty was to help the sons of Aaron in the service of the house of the Lord, in the courts and in the chambers, in the purifying of the holy things, and in the work of the service of the house of God. That's what they were numbered for. That's what you do. Your support. And that's good. That's a, that's a great job to have, to be in that support position. Um, David, in his old age, is getting sentimental, spiritually, you know? It's, it's hard when you start off. You know, I'm watching my two uh, sons with their young families and their kids and all that, um, not trying to find their way, but make their way, you know, in the sense that what, where's the money going to come from and how do I do this and what's my next? There's just so much on their shoulders. I forgot what it was like being in the 20s, in my 20s, you know. There's a, there's a lot of, okay, where do I live? and How big of a house do I get? How small of a house do I get? And, I mean, there's just so much there that you've got to think about and, and prepare for, um, to, to get your lives in order. But when you get older, as you get to be, well, my age and your age, for some of you folks, you begin to think more about, okay, I'm past half. Whatever half is, I'm not going to say what half is. But I'm past half. And I'm not so worried about establishing anymore. I'm looking at how I'm going to finish, you see. And, and that's where David's at at this point. It's, how am I going to finish here? I was conquering. I was taking heads, you know. Um, I, I was uh, running from king, you know, and, and so on. And, and, and I've done some interesting things in my life. I and mean, we're clear at the end here. We've skipped a lot of chapters, you know. Um, Absalom and we've skipped. All that stuff's done. And now I'm in my old age and I'm thinking about passing on the kingdom to my son Solomon. I want to make sure everything's in order and ready for him. Couple times in the Bible, God will even say that to the prophets or somebody else. Set your life in order because you're not going to live much longer. Oh, you know, if you haven't been thinking about eternity yet, if you haven't been thinking about your death yet, you need to start thinking about your death and getting things in order for what you're going to leave behind to the next group, basically. And so, um, I don't know why that popped up. Sorry, um, David's thinking that way now. 
He's setting things in order, getting things lined up. I, I was thinking about all. This is what I. This is where I go in my mind when I'm sitting. I think about Pastor Chuck, and what God did there. Now, Calvary Chapel existed before Pastor Chuck. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but it did. There were 24 members of a small church in California uh, called Calvary Chapel, and he was a part of the Foursquare movement. It's where he was a pastor, and they would move him around every year or two, um, and, and that's what they would do, like every other church, every other denomination would do. They move their pastors around so you don't get attached to the pastor. And he really liked surfing, you know? And he got to thinking, you know, maybe I could stay here because he really liked California. It was great. And so this little church was looking, and he said, yeah, I'll come. And uh, and he, and not just surfing, obviously, but he began to do things there and 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 didn't just preach what Foursquare, you know, save, 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 get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved, get saved. Well, we're all saved. Now what are we going to talk about, you know? And he said, I'm going to start teaching through the Bible. And that's when he began doing expository teaching right there with that little group of people, bringing them to maturity. Long story short, hundreds, thousands, then multiplication, other churches planted from other men and you know that had like minds and had been trained up. People came alongside him, um, people that had caught the vision and understood what his ministry was and supported him in his ministry. Um, faithfully, faithfully, older men who had finished their race in the rat race and had decided to come alongside and help uh, and and do what they could do with for for free, just to help to, to thinking about eternity, thinking about ministry now as they look at the end of their life, not the beginning, you know. Um, and so, as Pastor Chuck got closer and closer to the end, eighties, you know, he started putting things in order because I'm not going to be here much longer. This is way bigger than 24 people or even one church of 1,000 or 5,000. This is, this is worldwide. What do I? And so he sought the Lord, and he set up the CCA, the council. Um, uh, I don't know how many are on it now, but there were 12, I think, to begin with. Good number. You know, you can see where he got that number from. Um, so it wasn't just one person again. It was just, it was at 12. All these guys had been with him from the beginning, you know, 12 guys, just wisdom there, you know. Set things in order, set up divisions, set up groups, set up things. Not to make it organized. We're all individual churches. We have our own bylaws. We don't send any money to anybody else. We spend it all right here. You know, nothing like that. Um, but in fellowship and in association of, 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 of believers uh, and pastors, he set these things up in order. And, and, and then he passed away and, and it's and goes on to be with the Lord and it, and it works. Well, kind of. Um, Brian Broderson had a problem with the. <laughs> everybody else got it. Well, most of them did anyway, and, and we all stuck and just stick stuck with the CCA, and it's just a beautiful thing, just like God laid out for us, you know. Um, and and that's what David's doing, and 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 we can take that as a model for ourselves, you know. In my life personally, I want to make sure that uh, Jenny and I's life, and or actually just Jenny's taking care of, because I'm going to kick before she does. That's just how it is. We guys, we just go. Um, there's not a lot of widowers out there, um, and, but there are, there are, but we go, I guess we just don't take care of ourselves like the gals do as much as they do. Um, but is she set? Is she okay? Will she be okay? And then when she goes, cause she's going to follow, are the kids okay? And they'll be fine without us. But if there's anything left, if we haven't spent it all, you know, uh, you know, is every are, are all the debts taken care of or all the uh, the inheritance, we need to think that way. Set things in order. Nothing wrong with that. My dad's got a file. It's just wonderful. 
here's my, he tells me at all time, here's the file, you know, or here's where it is, you know, when I go. It's okay, great, you know. Um, he set things in order, good example. You know, we need to set things in order in our lives. So David's doing that is the point. Um, and has set things in order for all the things of the Lord, to make sure God's house is taken care of, to make sure the worship of the Lord, because he knows if I can make sure the temple is operating efficiently and like it's supposed to with faithful men, that I know the rest of the country will be okay. You see, let's get this taken care of. Both with the showbread and the fine flour and the grain offering and the unleavened cakes um, and what is baked in the pan, uh, with what is mixed in with all kinds of measures and sizes, to stand. This is, this is after all that's done, to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. And likewise at evening and at every presentation of a burnt offering to the Lord on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the set feast by number according to the ordinance governing them regularly before the Lord. Not only do you do all that, but that's not just your worship now that you've got everything prepared. You've made sure the Levites have it or the Arianic priesthood has everything they need. Now it's time to worship. You stand there with them and worship because you're a worshiper too. And that's something that every pastor needs to be reminded of and any Sunday school worker and anybody serving God in that, in that way, in an official capacity like that needs to remind themselves. Remember, you are a worshiper of God first. Always take time to worship the Lord, to read his word. You cannot coast because you're, I cannot coast because I studied for Sunday morning. This, this is extra, you know. My personal walk with Jesus needs to be very, very important, top of the list. As if I wasn't a pastor, I need to treat it like that, you see. And then this is what we do together, you know. But I also have personal time. It's very important. We all need to have that. And so David says, I want you guys to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. Don't forget what you're doing this for. Don't forget what you're doing this for. Be sure and thank and praise God. And that keeps that happy heart. That keeps that worshipful heart while you're serving him. You don't become bitter and saying, well, you know, there's Jethro's over there. He's not even carrying the silver utensils like he's supposed to. I'm carrying, I'm washing all the silver utensils for the Lord. And then you got to stand every morning and thank God and praise God for what you're able to do. You know, can't be can't be worried about what people aren't doing or are doing. You worry about your walk with the Lord, and so that's that's the idea. It's all maintenance. This is all what we need to do as worshipers of God. We need to do all these things. I need to make sure the the showbreads there, the the fine flour, the grain, every measure. There's a lot of stuff going on. To maintain our walk with Jesus is so important. Couple scriptures here. Well, a lot of them, but I won't go through all of them. Probably, I've got time. Well, obviously, we're not getting to twenty-four, so we won't do that. So I'll take the time. First Timothy chapter four, verse sixteen. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Do your maintenance on your walk with the Lord. And it's not just maintenance. I know that's probably the wrong word to use, but that's the word that came up in my mind. So forgive me if it's not if it's not as reverent as it needs to be, because it isn't just maintenance. When I think of maintenance, I, I immediately think of when you do a PM, when you PM a vehicle, preventive maintenance on a vehicle or something, you got to change the oil and all that stuff. And it's kind of laborious, and a, unless you love the car, 
you know, unless it's your baby, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and I don't have a baby car, but someday I might have a car that's a baby to me. I don't know. But my walk with the Lord, the maintenance that I need to do on it is because I love him and I want to maintain that. It's a date night. Imagine that with your marriage. Maybe that's a better way to go instead of cars. Uh, it's maintenance, <laughs> maintenance for your marriage, you know, date night, you know, this is wonderful. We get away. You don't realize how much you needed to get away till you get away. Until you get that date, you don't realize how much you needed that date till you go on the date, you know, and you're sitting there looking, oh my gosh, what happened to you? You know, <laughs> you got old. What happened? <laughs> uh, maintenance. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine as a Christian. Continue in them for in doing this, not only you save yourself, but you're going to save those who hear you. Exodus 34, 12, take heed to yourself. And here's why God wants us and tells Moses to take heed to them or to the nation of Israel. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. In other words, it's going to protect you from making serious mistakes. Deuteronomy 4.9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life and teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. Don't forget to spread the love. Don't forget to tell others about it. Um, but take heed to yourself. That's obviously going to be the theme throughout these cross-references. Deuteronomy 12, 13. Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Oh, that's right. There's one place to worship, only one. Don't be spreading your burnt offerings around, you know. Deuteronomy 12, 19, take heed to yourself that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in the land. Don't forget the pastors, you know. Uh, don't be so busy about your own life. You forget that, oh, yeah, there's a church, you know. Oh, there's a pastor. Oh, there's bills, you know. So we're going to pass the plate this morning. You guys are wonderful. But you know what, you know what he's saying? The Levites weren't allowed to work. They were supposed to just do their job, and then they would take whatever was brought as an offering. They could eat the rest of the sacrifice or whatever. Whatever was left over, that was theirs. And so God's reminding him, take heed to yourself that you don't forget. And here's why. That's how you take heed to yourself. If you take the Levites for granted, and which is they're going to do eventually, the nation of Israel does, and the Levites all go back to work, and the worship of God stops, and the house of the Lord isn't taken care of anymore, and the weeds grow up, and the place goes into decay because everybody's out trying to make money because there's nothing coming in anymore. Oh, that's not good for you. Because when you want to come worship, all of a sudden there's no place to worship anymore. It's not being taken care of. No one's interceding. No one's doing what they need to do. You know, So take heed, he says, to that. Deuteronomy 12.30, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. Take heed to yourself. Guard yourself. Protect yourself from these things. And then finally, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And, and I think that's the biggest dangerous complacency for us as Christians. We, we coast. We push, 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 worship, 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 and then we coast. Uh, you know, that's when we get into trouble. 
That's when we find ourselves getting weaker and weaker and weaker, not realizing it. And that's the reason Paul writes that to the Corinthians. Be careful if you think you stand, in other words, on your own two feet, because you're going to fall. It's the first scripture I ever memorized. First scripture I ever memorized. And it's served me well, obviously. Um, man, take heed. So we finish up. And that they should attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting, the needs of the holy place, and the needs of the sons of Aaron, their brethren, and the work of the house of the Lord. Those three things. Make sure that you're doing that, Levites. Make sure that you're taking care of the tabernacle of meeting, the needs of the holy place, the needs of the sons of Aaron, um, and the work of the house of God, so that it's, it's there. And it's always going, because one day the smoke stops, you know, for the nation of Israel. One day the temple falls into disrepair. It's forgotten. One day there's nobody there. It, it becomes a place of desolation is what happens to the nation of Israel and to their temple because they didn't listen to chapter 23. And that's where we close this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder for ourselves to watch our walk. We've been Christians a long time, some of us. Decades, you know, um, I pray that we're maintaining more now than we ever have been, that we haven't lost sight of uh, eternity and that we're not planning for and preparing for uh, moving on and uh, being with you forever, uh, that we would keep that in the forefront of our mind and make sure that our walk with you, if it's not moving forward, it's moving backwards. And so Lord, help us to, re to remind ourselves of that. And thank you for that this morning. Some of us really need to Oh, there's things we need to change. And so, Lord, those things that you put on our hearts that may need to change in our lives, and we've, we've heard them, help us, help us to be like the folks we just read, and, and, they, and they go and do it. Um, that, we, that we would go and do that. That we wouldn't have another day without maintaining what you reminded us this morning to maintain. Um, that we get right back to where we were, if not more so than we ever have been. Especially as the day approaches. You're, you're coming soon. We want to be found doing your work, Lord, um, not idle. So we look up. We're excited for you to return. Uh, we're going to maintain. We're going to stand up for righteousness. We're going well, to do what we're called to do, be ambassadors for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come on up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.